Okay. Hey, um, I, I know the um, last I, couple of times, I think a uh, couple of times ago when we were together, I kind of referenced this book, and I think all of the books kind of disappeared off of the table, and I was kind of just talking about the perfecting storm. And then that really is God's idea, really his, I mean, long-range goal and plan for marriage is to perfect you, and he uses your spouse um, as part of that perfecting process. And so this is kind of the idea behind the book, The Perfecting Storm. Now, what's interesting is there was kind of a time where um, I kind of didn't get that that's kind of what marriage was about, was perfecting me or, or refining me um, as a person. And so I kind of resisted that. You know, like when my wife would try to point out things, I would kind of get defensive, you know, and just kind of like, well, geez, who do you think you are? I mean, you're, you're certainly not perfect, you know. And so I would kind of, and I think we've all been down that road um, a time or two with our spouse or significant other where they're trying to point something out in love and we kind of, you know, get our, you know, feathers ruffled in that. And so kind of the premise of the book is that really that is part of God's role in marriage is to perfect and to refine you and to make you more like Christ. And one of the major vehicles that he uses is marriage. And, you know, I mean, if, if you do not think you, I mean, to me, marriage shows how self-centered and how self-absorbed you really are like nothing else will. I mean, if you, if you think you're not selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed, get married. Uh, you will find out. I mean, I was 32 when I got married, and I didn't think there was a self-absorbed bone in my body until I said I do. And then it was just kind of like, man, it was like all of a sudden you kind of realize really how self-centered you have become. And, I, and I, you know, by, at, for 32, I was pretty set in my ways, and I had some pretty established patterns and ideas. So, uh, but again, this is a great book. There is like a suggested donation on that of like $15. So if you, if you went to go get one of those, um, for yourself, don't get this for your spouse. You're getting this because you want to read it. You want to apply it. This isn't to give to him or to her to say, you need to read this and you need to do this because she's very, very clear in the book. The only person you can fix is yourself. Uh, that something else marriage should have taught you by now. If you think you can change the other person, uh, you're wrong. Um, so it's, it's a book that really talks about how you can really cooperate with what God is trying to do in your life through um, your spouse. And so it's, it's just a great book. So I'll, I'll kind of leave that up here. If you'd like to grab that, um, you can, and then you can just put uh, the $15 in the offering basket or just set it out there on the table or give it to Cassie. Um, either one of those is acceptable. Um, got the, I think we got the outlines kind of uh, passed out. Um, I want to just make, I just want to make one comment from Sunday morning. We kind of talked about uh, a lot of things on Sunday morning, and, and there was a kind of a concept, a phrase that, that I use, that Paul uses in Romans chapter 8, and he kind of talked about, again, you know, when, when sin came into the world, you know, it didn't just affect mankind. We talked about, you know, how it, it affected creation. It affected, you know, the animal kingdom. It, it affected the mineral kingdom. It affected uh, the environment. I mean, I mean, when sin came in, I mean, it just wreaked total havoc. I mean, it just, it affected everything um, that there was to affect. And so 
um, Paul talks about, you know, when Christ came, he came to redeem us from the curse of the law. And so there are, there are aspects of creation that were redeemed um, through the coming, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were certain aspects of creation that kind of don't seem to have been touched at this point. And so we kind of talked about when, you know, Jesus comes again, you know, there's going to come a new heaven and a new earth and, and, and everything is going to be brought back into proper balance and tranquility and peace and harmony and unity. And I kind of use this idea that I think one of the things that Paul kind of puts forth in there, and I just feel like this is just kind of validated by our human experience, is this whole concept that we are, uh, we are in bondage to decay. Our, our physical bodies are in bondage um, to decay, or he kind of talks about slavery to corruption. It just depends on what your uh, your translation there says. And so I kind of talked about, you know, that explains a lot of times why, you know, you wake up in the morning and your back aches, you know, especially if you're after 40, you know, why some of you are wearing hearing aids and, you know, I I mean, there are glasses. I mean, there just are certain things on our body that are subject to sinfulness, fallenness in um, the world. And, and so it, it affects us. And so some people took that, that I kind of meant, you know, that we just, you know, whenever anything, sickness, disease happens in our body, we just kind of just chalk that all up to, you know, uh, that, that bondage to decay, or I'm just decaying. My body's just falling apart. Que sera, sera. Um, I'm just going to have to learn to live with that, deal with that. And, and so some people kind of came away from that as my saying that, you know what, you just don't need to contend for healing. And I'm like, happy. Absolutely not, man. You contend for it. You pursue it. You pray for it. You believe for it. Um, But again, there is just kind of that line somewhere in that where um, our bodies are just, I mean, my body does not function the way it did when I was 20, 25. I mean, none of you that, you know, if you're over 50 in here, your body just doesn't function the same way. Now, does that mean that you have to, you know, be content with sicknesses and disease? Absolutely not. Um, but there just are aspects of our physical bodies that, again, are, are kind of in bondage to um, corruption. And, and again, that you're just having to try to discern where that is. Um, and, and I just think we're all going to come up at different places um, on that on that issue. Um, so I, I would say to you that, you know, there are aspects of your body um, that, you know, are, are just, that's just the way it is. Uh, other parts, I would, you know, I would definitely be praying for contending for healing. I mean, a lot of you know I'm deaf in my left ear. If you don't know that, you need to know that because a lot of times people will come up on my left side and kind of start talking to me. And unless I see that you're talking to me, I'll just walk away. And we've had people that get really upset and offended because they think that I just blew them off. And I, oh, I didn't blow you off. I just didn't hear you. And so I've been contending for a long time. I pray for, I believe for, I trust for healing in this ear. It just hasn't come. Um, now, will it, you know, yes, I, I pray one day that, that it will 
overcome. But I'll tell you what, there's definite advantages to this. Um, you know, there are times when, you know, uh, it's noisy in our house. We've got six kids, and there's sometimes, you know, they've got friends over for the night. I mean, things just get kind of ramped up in our house, and I just roll over on this side. I don't hear a thing out of this side, and I'm sound asleep. So, I mean, they're just, are, I'm taking advantage of it right now, but I mean, I would love to be able to hear um, out of this ear. But again, this is part of what, you know, is this just, is this part of that bondage to corruption? Uh, and again, I think that's just where you got to discern um, that, you know, God's plan for our lives. I, mean, I, I believe clearly the scripture teaches he does not want us um, filled with sickness and disease. Um, and so again, I, I, would, I would encourage and I would, I would say to everybody, just contend and press in for healing. And again, it's that in the meantime, uh, that's where, you know, God is with us and we just need to, we just need to continue to pursue him. We just, you know, that, that being, be uh, thankful, be grateful um, in, in, in pursuing that. And, and so I kind of wanted just to try to make sure that, that, that you didn't walk away from that thinking that, uh, you know, oh, don't, don't contend for healing, you know, just be fine with whatever's going on in terms of sickness and disease in your body. It's just part of that bondage to, um, decay again. That's where you just sometimes have to just kind of really discern um, that out. Are you guys hot in here or is it just me? Okay, it's just me. Okay. Huh? Okay. Again, that grateful heart, you know, isn't it amazing sometimes when you think about your job, how sometimes we are just so often complaining about our jobs and then really how we just need sometimes just to step back from what is happening in the workplace. And again, just be grateful that you have a job, especially uh, in this economy, you know, with, with the number of people that are out of work and looking um, for jobs. I mean, we just need uh, to be grateful and thankful for the things that we have in our lives. And there just are times where those, those things, uh, you know, our, our, our spouse, our kids, you know, our jobs, our cars, all of these things that many times we look at as blessings, there are times where you can just get really frustrated and really irritated with that. Um, and again, the, the, it's, it's just those times where you just have to kind of purposely step back, look at all of that, and just be thankful. I'm, I don't like car repairs, but I am so thankful for a car. You know, I'm so thankful for a home, even though I don't enjoy, you know, home repairs. We, I, uh, got up really early Sunday morning and, you know, I, I'm out in the kitchen and I'm fixing coffee and I keep thinking, I hear this kind of annoying hum. And, you know, and it would kind of stop, and then I'd think, okay, and then I'd, I'd start up again, and I, I was looking around trying to figure out what is that noise, and I finally figured out it was coming from the refrigerator. So, I, you know, I kind of stopped, and I just kind of went on um, and came home from church on Sunday, and, and I'm, I look under the refrigerator, and I just see this water dripping out of the freezer onto the kitchen floor. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not supposed to be doing that. And I opened it up, and sure enough, Everything in the freezer had completely, you know, dethawed. The, the ice is melting out of the ice tray and the compressor on our refrigerator. I don't like that, but I am so thankful for a refrigerator. And so we ended up having to go out and, and buy it. So that's just, you know, an example of those things that, that tend to sometimes just irritate us and frustrate us. And none of us like spending that kind of money um, on appliances or things. And maybe you do. I don't. Um, but and again, it's just being 
grateful, and at times you can be frustrated with that uh, too. And that, again, that's just one of those challenges that we have um, in everyday life, you know, is when we go through trials and problems and tribulations and struggles, you know, again, it, it's just how do you maintain a grateful, thankful attitude in the midst of that. And so that's kind of what we've been really focusing on and talking about these last few weeks. And so as we kind of have been going into the book of James, um, albeit not too fast. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, we're still on, we're still on chapter one, verse two here. Um, but again, there Paul kind of says, he says, consider it pure joy or, or genuine joy. Again, not, not this kind of fake it, you know, pretend kind of joy, um, you know, grit in your teeth. I mean, he says, you know, consider it pure, genuine joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, we kind of talked about that being that multicolored thing, problems, trials, tribulations, they come in all different kinds of shapes, sizes, and colors. Some of the challenges you're facing in your life are huge. Some of them are really small. And so Paul's, or, uh, James here is saying it doesn't matter whether it's big or little whether it's the first time or the hundredth time you face this, he says, consider it pure joy when you're going through that. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. God is developing something in you through that. And so we can be thankful for that. So last week, or the two weeks ago, we kind of finished up talking about three purposes of problems. And that part of God's plan is he's using those problems, those trials, those challenges, those situations that you're going through right now. He's using them. And one of the purposes of that is he's trying to make you more and more like Jesus. And I know that that sounds kind of strange to us. But again, if you really kind of step back and you think about, you know, all of the things that Jesus went through are a lot of the same things we go through. I mean, you know, Jesus, you know, even though he was, we really don't know a lot about his life in ministry until he hit the age of about 30. But I mean, up until that point, Jesus was a carpenter. I mean, he, he was, he was apprenticed. He was taught by his father, Joseph, to be a carpenter. Now that, that tells me Jesus had a job. He got up eight to five grinds, seven, you know, five, six days a week. You know, he, he had pressures. You know, I'm sure he had responsibilities around the house. I mean, I mean you know, so there, there were a lot of things that Jesus went through that are very, very common to you and I. And so when, when we talk about, you know, a lot of what you're going through right now, you know, Jesus went through as well. And, and Jesus went through a lot of things I hope none of us ever have to go through. We talked about, you know, the fact that he was, you know, beaten. He was scourged. You know, he had a crown of thorns pressed upon his head. He was rejected. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was spit upon. I mean, he was stripped naked, hung on a cross. I mean, there were a lot of things that happened to Jesus that I hope never happens to any of us. But what he's saying in here is part of the reason why you're going through some of the things that you're going through is because this is one of the ways God is going to make you and conform you more and more into the image of his son. That's why we can look at this and say, this is joy. It may not feel joyful at the time, 
but what it is going to produce in me in terms of endurance and perseverance and righteousness and holiness. We'll be able to look back on that. We'll be able to rejoice um, in that. So tonight, I want to just kind of pick up talking about three most effective ways of kind of dealing with the problems that are inevitable in our life. So how do you handle your problems? The first one is rejoice. And there again, he kind of just says, you know, consider it pure, genuine joy whenever you face trials. Again, don't misunderstand what he's saying here. Like I said earlier, he's not telling you to fake it, you know, to put on a plastic smile, you know, and just kind of act like everything is, is all right. He doesn't ask you to deny reality. It doesn't mean that he wants you to have some kind of a psychological pump up, uh, you know, based on nothing. He's not talking about masochism. You don't need to run around, you know, and telling people, oh, I love to suffer. Oh, I just, I, I love to, you know, uh, have trials and tribulations. And, and we don't have to go around uh, and, and uh, um, be masochistic. We don't need to have a martyr complex about that. So, again, we don't rejoice for the problems, But rather, what Paul is encouraging us to do is to rejoice in the midst of those problems, trials, and tribulations. We don't thank God for the situation that we're in. Again, we can thank God that he is with us. He is for us. He has a plan in this, so we can be thankful for that. But we don't have to be thankful for the situation You you know, Shelly, you don't have to be thankful for the situation that you're in, but you can be thankful that God is in it with you, that he has a plan. He has a purpose um, for what you're going through, and that's what you rejoice in, is that God is for me, and God is going to be faithful, and God is going to see me through, and God is going to give me the wisdom, the courage, the direction that I need to be able to deal with that, and so we can be thankful for that in the midst of that. Again, one of the most misunderstood verses in all of the Bible is First Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. So again, one of the most basic things about the will of God is he wants you and I, every one of us, this isn't just for pastors, it's not just for, you know, worship leaders, Uh, it's for all of us, everyone who is a believer, in everything, give thanks. In everything means everything. The good, the bad, the uh, wanted, the unwanted, you know, the, the stuff you've done out of foolishness or the foolishness that's been thrust on you by others in everything, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, give thanks for this is God's will for you. So, so we know something about the will of God. Whatever circumstance we're in, we just need to give thanks. Not again, we don't give thanks for it. Oh, thank you, God, for cancer. You know, oh, thank you, God, for that car accident. No, I thank you, God, that in my sickness, you are my healer. Thank you, Father, that when my refrigerator goes on the fritz, you are my provider. Uh, So we we can, we refocus. We kind of, we begin to look for ways, opportunities to be thankful in the midst of what we're going through. In everything, give 
thanks. And again, we can do that because we believe, we trust, we know that God is going to take the bad and turn it for good in our lives. Again, doesn't matter where your problems would come from. You may have caused them. They may be problems that other people have caused and thrust on you. The devil may be at the root of that. There may be a, a problem society has brought upon you. But the source of your problems really doesn't matter because God can use all of it, regardless of the source, again, to make you more and more into the likeness of his son Jesus. And when that happens, you know what else happens? It brings glory to God. So it's a twofold benefit there. Now, what makes a difference? Again, it's our attitude. Consider it pure joy. Now, that word consider, it means take a deliberate look at it. Study it. Evaluate it. And then make up your mind once and for all. Get, get settled on the issue. That's that idea of consider it pure joy. While I'm living in the present, I'm going to look forward to the benefit, the, the growth that is going to come from this. I'm excited to see what God is going to do, how God is going to use this to take me deeper and to make me more like Jesus. That's that idea of consider. Consideration is a choice. You may not be able to control the circumstances around you, but we've talked about this. You can control your attitude in the midst of it. Viktor Frankl, who was a Jewish psychologist who spent some time in the Nazi concentration camp in Germany, once said, he said, they stripped me naked. They took everything, my wedding ring, watch. I stood there naked. And he said, all of a sudden, I realized at that moment that although they could take everything away from me, my wife, my family, my possessions, they could not take away my freedom to choose how I was going to respond. You again, choose in that situation. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord when everything's going okay, when everything's going my way. When life is smooth and easy. No, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Think about that. I mean, think about what you would, I mean, just that one verse. May I stop and think, what would it take for me just to implement that one verse in my life? I mean, that doesn't come natural to any of us in this room. I mean, oftentimes, the first time a hint of trouble comes, I mean, our natural tendency, our natural response is, why me? I don't like this. We start looking for people to blame. And again, Scripture says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means even when you don't feel like it, even when things are not going right. Problems, again, do not automatically produce blessings. Some do, but there are problems. They just don't automatically produce blessings. For some people, problems destroy them. I mean, some people will become better or bitter. They can go through the same situation and they'll come out on, on different um, ends of the spectrum. And again, a lot of times the, the, you know, the, the difference between bitter and better is the letter I. It's me. 
I'm the one that determines whether this problem, this trial, this tribulation, this difficulty is going to make me better or make me bitter. My choice, my decision. I'm going to grow from this or I'm going to groan. Again, you decide, you choose. Problems break some people, make some people brittle. Again, it's how you choose to respond. So again, you rejoice is number one. Number two is request, pray. Again, just begin to pray. Invite God into the situation. Ask for God's wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, we'll get to this uh, a little later in James. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you don't know what to do, ask God. If you're stuck, ask God to get you unstuck. James 1.5, again, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. God's not going to nitpick. God's not going to look at you when you come and you ask him for wisdom. God's not going to say, weren't you here yesterday? I'm getting a little tired of you kind of coming here every day. I mean, come on. God's not going to do that. God's not, God's not going to find fault. He's not going to criticize you for asking. And he said, it will be given to him. So we pray for wisdom when we're in the middle of problems. Now, why should we pray for wisdom? So you won't waste the opportunity to grow. If you don't learn at this time, there will be one more lap around the mountain. Some of us, were on kind of our 50th lap around the mountain because God's trying to teach us something, and we're just not Either we're not ready, we're not positioning ourselves to hear and to learn what it is. So again, don't waste the opportunity uh, to allow God to teach you and to grow you through what you're going through. Um, There's no situation of life that you can't learn from it. Again, if you have the right attitude, if if you're open to that. Don't ask why, ask what. Where to now? Why is to purify your faith? It's to fortify. It's to make stronger your patience and your endurance. It really is to sanctify, to make, uh, it's to sanctify your character. It's to make you more holy. It's to make you more righteous or to make you more loving or to make you uh, more gracious. I mean, Pastor Mark and I were talking about, you know, this um, today. You know, there was a, a time um, where I was kind of dealing with, with an individual and we were, we were, we really had kind of a pretty strong disagreement, um, between us. And so when we had kind of sat down, um, to, you know, work through that, you know, I just really kind of just started just, you know, throwing the word at him. you know, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that the Bible says this, the Bible says that, and just kind of just overwhelmed, um, him with, with scripture and then kind of just walked away from that thinking there, that settled that. And I really had, uh, you know, I, I had, I had just hurt him because I was extremely arrogant. I was very rude and I was full of pride. So I was got into the Bible kind of came across where, you know, Paul says, you know what? Um, yeah, Wisdom, knowledge of the word, you've got to be careful with that because sometimes that makes you arrogant, it makes you boastful, and it makes you proud. And that was an opportunity for me to grow in that. 
And I had to go back to that individual, and I had to say, I am so sorry. Not for what I said. I, I believe what I said was true. I am so sorry for the way I said it. I was very prideful. I was very arrogant. I was very rude to you. And I'm, I'm really very, very sorry about that. And it was an opportunity for me to grow. And, and it just, it's one of those things I'm very, very mindful of when I'm dealing with people based on that one encounter because I walked away from that not feeling good about myself, about my, my walk with the Lord. And so, you know, again, you can learn, you can grow and just ask yourself, God, what are you teaching me um, in this? What characteristics are you trying to d- develop in me? You know, again, just that being gracious, being teachable, being gentle um, with people. Those are characteristics. Patience. I think I'm going to talk to you guys. I don't have a great deal of patience. I don't have a great deal of mercy. Mercy is not one of my gifts. Um, so it is, it, it, those are characteristics that, that God is trying to work into me. So what kinds of situations do you think God's going to bring into my life if he's trying to teach me patience and gentleness and mercy? the very kinds of situations that are going to elicit or need that kind of a response. And then again, I get to choose, am I going to walk in humility here? Or or am I just going to be proud and rude and arrogant? You know, so again, it's it's what, again, God, what are you trying to develop? What are you trying to do um, in me? Third one is relax. God knows better what you need God knows better what your situation needs than you do, than I do. And oftentimes, we just need to relax and let God work. Trust God to know what's best with your life, and then just cooperate with that. Kind of just surrender your situation, surrender your life, and just simply acknowledge, God, you're in control God, you're calling the shots. God, you're, you're directing this. God, you're leading this. God, I believe that you're going to work through this individual. Doesn't matter if they're a Christian or not. God can influence even an unbeliever's heart to do what God wants done. So again, it's just, it's just relaxing and not having to strive in that and just being confident knowing God's aware of what you need. He's aware of the situation and he knows what is going to be best. And again, that's what's called faith, trusting in the goodness, the faithfulness of God. When he asks, again, this is going back to James, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. That's hard to do. Doubt comes very, very easy uh, to all of us. So again, it's just relax, let God work, give God time to uh, work, and just relax and just be confident knowing God is at work. Again, I, I, you know, my heart breaks. I know there's a lot of people that are struggling here with, with a lot of issues, you know, family issues, health issues, financial issues, you know, job uh, issues. Um, there just are, frankly, going to be some people in this congregation, because of the way they react and respond to all they're going through, you're going to be in God's hall of fame someday. 
Just because your attitude, you're trusting, you're relaxed, you're surrendered, you know that God has not abandoned you, that God's got a plan and a purpose um, here. You've kind of maintained that sweet spirit of perseverance in the midst of great trials and tribulations, you know, things that people did to you, that people, you know, did about you, you know, just situations that maybe you've been living through. Again, it's not always easy to have a joyful heart in the midst of uh, problems. And even when you want to have a joyful attitude, it's still difficult. And again, that's why we need to just constantly be praying and seeking after two things, wisdom to understand the trial and faith to endure it. Wisdom to understand it, faith to endure it. We need both. And James says you need, to, you need wisdom to know what's going on, faith to hang in there, and again, just never, ever give up. God says the devil wants to use problems to defeat you, but God wants to use those problems to develop you. And again, what are you asking God to do in that? So some of you are going through, again, tough times right now. It's hard. You just need to know God cares for you. I love that scripture. It's a, um, where, uh, I think it's in Psalms. It says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will not allow the righteous to be shaken. So again, there's just that idea of just taking whatever is weighing heavy on you and just giving that over to God. I love that, you know, again, that concept of just the casting. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a fishing term. If you're a fisherman, you know what it is to kind of cast your lure and then you kind of reel it back in. Um, and, you know, a lot of us do that with our problems. We kind of take our problems, we cast them off to God, and then we kind of start reeling them back in. We take them back, you know, um, and then, you know, oh, we'll cast it again, and then we'll reel it back in again. And, and there's another type of casting in scriptures where you kind of cast it, and then you cut the line. And that's what God wants us to do is to take our problems, our trials, our, you know, the things that we're dealing with and just cast them on him, cut the line, trusting, relaxing that God is at work and he's at work for our good. And he's going to use this not to defeat us, but to develop us and to make us more and more like Jesus. There's a fantastic promise in James 1.12, uh, if you've got your Bibles open. He said, blessed or, or happy, uh, joyful is the man, woman, who perseveres under trial. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So there is a reward for what you're going through right now. And I don't think when we get to heaven, I don't think the rewards are going to be, you know, for just the pastors, you know, the, the evangelists, the worship leaders, you know, people like Billy Graham and, and Mother Teresa. The rewards are going to go to people like you and me who quietly kind of put up with, with the trials, the tribulations, the sufferings, the, the things that we're going through in this life and have allowed God to kind of develop that nature, that characteristic of Jesus Christ in us. And he said, there's, there's a reward for that. There is going to be a crown of life. And that crown of life, it, it, is, it is life itself it is, is what uh, he's talking about there, eternal life. So he says there's going to be a crown of life. So cast all of your cares upon him for he cares for 
you. I, I believe that's in either, I think, first or second Peter, that scripture. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So I want to, um, next week when we kind of get uh, back here, I want to kind of begin to kind of talk about how do you make wise decisions? Man, I mean, I could have used, uh, I could have used this probably, probably could have used this yesterday. Uh, but I'm thinking, man, there just are times where I could have, I could have used this 20 years ago, you know, just learning how to make wise decisions. And I think that's one thing every one of us in this room have in common. There just are times where we have made foolish, unwise decisions. Um, And so again, it's, you know, you can either just kind of learn from that, or, or you're just going to continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. And so the Bible has a lot to say on, on how it is that we can make wise decisions. Again, most of us in this room, including myself, I am chief among them. We are experts in making dumb decisions. And so uh, for some people like me, it just seems like it's just kind of automatic, you know? If you're one of those people, how do you uh, learn to make wiser, godlier decisions? How do you learn to make up your mind when you're kind of just in between and you kind of just feel like you're wavering and you're kind of indecisive? How do you make wise, godly decisions? Well, I love because James gives us the problem, he gives us the prescription, and then he gives us a promise from God. And we're going to kind of pick up and we're going to talk about that um, beginning um, next week. We'll kind of talk about that problem. The problem is indecision. You know, when you're wavering and you're kind of waffling, you know, back and forth, you know, how do you move from indecision to making a wise decision? So we're going to kind of pick up with that um, next week. Um, Prayer request. Uh,